1: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: Alexander, got it! Very nice early post up by Adams working inside. Whistle and one! Oh! And T. Ferg rocking the rim.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the uncontested postgame podcast. I am your host, Justin. Tonight's pod brought to you by Harry's. The Oklahoma City Thunder lose in spectacular fashion to the Indiana Pacers, 111 to 85. And honestly, um, I feel like I need to start this episode with a confession. Uh, If you listen to the group pod from earlier this week, you'll know that I said something about how the Thunder have never been blown out this season, how in every game they were competitive and it made it so much fun to watch. And this season's really been great. Even though we know we're not playing for anything and we're really focused on youth development. It's been a blast. These guys compete. They never give up. They never quit. They never get their butts kicked. So I kind of feel like this is my fault. Um, (laughs) The Thunder are handed their largest loss of the season, their first double-digit road loss of the season. They lose to an Indiana team who's played well, but, um, you know, they had a chance to beat. Um, They certainly were not a top-tier NBA team. This wasn't a team that Oklahoma City should have gotten blown out by. The other thing I said that came to mind tonight, I also talked about how this Thunder team is young. And young teams typically don't play as well on the road as they do at home. Well, uh, this this road game tonight uh, in Indiana brings their road record on the season to 0 and 4. Meanwhile, their home record is 4 and 3. So you can see that principle coming to life right there in the vast difference in their record between home and road. Per Joe Masato of the Oklahoman, Oklahoma City and Orlando are the only teams in the NBA that are currently still searching for that first road win. Uh, the other thing that I feel like I need to take ownership of is at the end of the group podcast where we talked about what our predictions were for how the rest of the week would go with Indiana and uh, Philadelphia coming to town. Both, I think all three, Jacob, Taylor, and Nick said the Thunder would go one and one and I said they'd go 0-2. <laughs> Well, I didn't think it'd be like this. Uh, I think it's safe to say this season, this was the most painful game to watch. It was the most disappointing game. There wasn't a ton of things you can take away from it. The Thunder just kind of got whooped. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but none of which I think are huge impacts to the rest of the season. It was just kind of a bad game. Uh, I know that doesn't make for exciting podcasting, so I'm going to do my best to pull what I could out of this game. Uh, I I had to take a breather after the game and try to think about, like, what do I even talk about now? Uh, But here we are. The first thing that stood out to me tonight is Sabonis, TJ Warren, Brogdon, and Holiday combined for 78 points for the Pacers. 78 out of their 111 points came from those four guys. And really, Sabonis, TJ Warren, and Brogdon had the bulk of that through the beginning of the game, the first three quarters, let's say. Holiday kind of piled some on in garbage time towards the end. Uh, But 78 points for those four compared to 85 points for the entire Thunder roster. Uh, That's rough. (laughs) I think you can look at those four players and really kind of see the disparity in in where this game ended up tonight. If they score if four guys can score within seven points of your entire team, that's probably not going to bode well for the Thunder. The Thunder had a balanced effort again, but just not a good balanced effort. We've talked a lot in the last few games about how the Thunder have really had balanced scoring. The last game uh I believe it was not the Bucks, but the one before the Bucks, And I'm blanking out who it was, which is bad because I covered that game too. Regardless, uh, the Thunder had eight players score eight plus points in that game. Tonight, the Thunder had one, two, three, four, five, six. So still balanced. But the problem was some of those were Deontay Burton getting 13 pretty much in garbage time. You had... Baisley, Schroeder, SGA, Adams, Gallinari. That's all fine. CP3 only got seven. Diallo only got two. Muscala won. Devin Hall got burned, which is probably how you know not a great game. Uh Nerland's Noel finished with two points. And the, a stat that really stood out to me is that looking down the box score, Steven Adams was the only player who shot above 50%. So, which is kind of amazing to think about the thunder as a whole tonight, they shoot 35.8% from the floor and 24% from three, six of 25 and pretty a good chunk through the third quarter. They were shooting six and a half percent from three. Uh, it was, it was abysmal. They were laying bricks and, A lot of that, honestly, has to be attributed to Indiana's defensive scheme. This is probably the only part of the game that maybe concerns me long-term because if other teams replicate this against the Thunder, then they could arguably achieve similar results. What the Pacers did tonight is they really kind of packed the paint, and that cut down on Oklahoma City's ability to score inside, which we know a lot of their guys like to do. Obviously, Steven Adams, he was still able to shoot 5 of 8. But think about a guy like SGA. SGA loves to get inside. He's crafty. He loves to get to the rim. SGA shot 3 of 11 tonight. Uh, This team is not stacked with shooters. They have capable shooters. But I think Indiana gambled, and they decided to say, we're going to let their shooters try to beat us. We're not going to let them get into the lane. So when you look at the outside shooting, that 6 for 25, You have Gallinari, who's usually a reliable three-point shooter. He's 0 of 3. Chris Paul, usually reliable, 0 of 2. SGA, 1 of 3. Baisley, 1 of 2. Nader, 0 of 3. Schroeder, 1 of 4. Uh, Muscala, 0 of 1. So basically, the Pacers' gamble paid off. Uh, They said, we're not going to give up easy buckets inside. We're going to make them beat us from the outside. And the Thunder didn't do that. And that's essentially the storyline of the game. Uh, there's, there's not a lot you're going to be able to do, especially in today's NBA with the emphasis on the three point shot, where you're going to be able to overcome shooting six of 25 from three. Uh, it may happen here and there, but probably not likely on the flip side though, to that point, the Pacers only only shot seven of 23 from three, but the difference was they were able to, able to get inside on the Thunder and get those easy buckets. They shot 48.9% overall from the floor, obviously much better than the Thunder's 35.8%. A lot of that comes back to defense, and I, I didn't think the Thunder's defense was great tonight. I thought Adams did okay in stretches. He was probably the most capable defender on Sabonis, but Sabonis really kind of had his way inside and especially he looked especially dominating against Mike Mascala and Nerlens Noel. I thought those two were overmatched. Sabonis is a great player, don't get me wrong. I actually I had the thought that I wonder if DeMontas Sabonis is a little bit of what I hoped Steven Adams would be. Uh, he kind of is Turned into a double-double machine this season. Tonight, he had 18 and 16. And that's really been kind of par for the course for him for this year. And those are the kind of numbers that, maybe not that high, but what he's averaging is kind of where we thought Stephen might be this year. We thought he might be able to up his rebounding averages. We thought he might be able to up his scoring average with the roster changes, but that hasn't happened yet. He hasn't been bad, necessarily. He's uh, been dealing with some injuries, which I think has affected things. He missed the last game. And I think overall, it's just not been the the best Steven Adams. Uh the one that we hope to see. And Sabonis on the other hand, like that dude's awesome. Uh he's probably he's up he's pretty high up there on the list of former Thunder players that that I kind of wish Oklahoma City could have back. Um but, you know, that's neither here nor there. He had a great game tonight. Props to him Before we move on, uh, I do want to give a quick word to our sponsor for the evening. So tonight's episode brought to you by Harry's. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years. And the secret to a great shave? Well, it hasn't really changed much. Ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles. Neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters. Sharp, durable blades at a fair price. That's what I love about Harry's. When I use a Harry's razor, I know that I'm going to get a good shave. It's going to leave my skin feeling smooth. I'm not going to get irritation or the weird bumps that you get with a crappy razor. But I also know I'm not going to spend a fortune. I'm not going to have to spend half my paycheck for a 19 blade razor like you might with some of the other guys. Harry's is really a return to the essentials. Quality, durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 per blade. They've cut out the middleman manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century, which means you get incredibly high quality blades at factory direct prices. Harry's is super convenient. The blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription, and there's no risk to try it out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a refund. Listeners of the uncontested can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash blue wire, which you'll get A weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. So speaking of guys who have had, had a shave recently, maybe not on their face, but Terrence Ferguson, uh, posted on his Instagram stories last night that he had cut his hair. He's rocking the uh, the clean cut buzz uh, rather than the, the, the longer hair that he sported for the rest of this season. And Terrence Ferguson was not with the team tonight. I don't know what the situation is. I don't know that anybody outside of the team and those that are close to Terrence do. Uh, but something's going on. He was out tonight with personal reasons. Uh, he shaved his head. I don't know what is happening, but we, we hope that everything's okay with Terrence. Uh, we hope to see him back on the floor soon because he was not there tonight. And I think his presence was sorely missed and not just from what he brings to the basketball floor, but also, um, who he keeps off the floor. My, (laughs) it sounds bad, but Nader Diallo and Burton got a lot of minutes tonight without Terrence Ferguson. Diallo, Uh, That's not super unusual. Diallo finished with 22 minutes, uh, a whopping two points on one of four shooting, three boards, one assist. He was okay. Uh, Nobody gets a great grade tonight for the Thunder because it was just that kind of game. But nothing, I think, jaw-droppingly bad for Diallo. On the other hand, we have Abdul Nader. So Nader got 20 minutes, which is a huge improvement for him because he's usually getting DNPs. And Jacob called it before the game. He said, no Ferg likely means more minutes for Nader, probably early minutes for Nader. And sure enough, he checked in in the first quarter and Nader, um, nobody loves to call Nader's number more than Nader. I jokingly tweeted (laughs) that Nader said it was his time whenever the Thunder were down by 24. And that's kind of how it seemed. I don't know if he was just trying to prove himself himself. Given the lack of playing time that he's gotten or really what his objective is, I'm not sure. Uh, He was two of nine from the floor, six points, three boards, two assists. He was really just kind of like all over the place. It looked really sloppy. He missed a lot of layups. Uh, A lot of those seven misses were, were pretty close to the rim. It's not like he was out there just jacking threes or something like that. Not great minutes for Nader. I don't think he did anything tonight to warrant Getting more minutes in the future, I think he'll solely kind of get played as a necessity, which is what it was tonight. In Ferg's absence, they needed another body. Uh, Nader filled that role. He didn't fill it well, and I wouldn't expect to see much out of him in the future. We also saw a pretty big appearance from Deontay Burton, who has also been getting a lot of DMPs. Uh, Burton, 18 minutes, 13 points, 5 of 12 shooting, 3 bo- three boards, 1 assist. His scoring numbers are a little inflated. A lot of that came late in the game. I didn't feel like Burton had a huge impact on the game when it mattered. Uh, it's not like those 13 points were coming early on. He wasn't really contributing to the offense when he got in there early. Most of that came in garbage time. I think Burton's another guy that I love the guy. I want to see him succeed, but he's probably more suited to getting more G League minutes than anything this season. I didn't really see anything out of him that necessarily warrants him getting a lot of playing time moving forward. I want to go into Twitter questions now. So I tweeted after the game that I was going to go make myself a hot toddy. Uh, if you guys had questions, send them in. You guys always have great questions for us. So thanks for that. The first question from D Najakovich. She specifically asks by hot toddy. Do you mean a Jack and Coke or an entire bottle of wine? Listen, D you do you, uh, whatever warms your soul. Cause it is freezing outside. So whatever, uh, can warm you up, go for it. Also, whatever can ease the pain of a thunder loss, uh, I, Choose your spirit of choice. I, I mixed up a little uh, whiskey with some some lemon and honey and hot water, and it's delightful. But you know what helps me feel better about this loss is knowing the thunder put another ping pong ball in the hopper. And that's really the silver lining here tonight. Is it's tanking season, and even when it's painful and ugly and not really enjoyable, and I kind of wish that I had just been watching The Mandalorian instead. I know that the Thunder got a little bit closer to landing that top draft pick next year, bringing in somebody that's going to make the team better. Uh, hopefully, a generational player. We've seen what Presti can do in the lottery. I'm, I'm talking myself into it. He's going to do it again. I don't know if he'll be able to get Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, but by golly, we're going to try. The next question comes from at ZA Sports Show who asks, does Billy Donovan make it to the terminal after the plane lands? I'll admit I laughed when I read this, but the answer here is yes. Uh, If this had been last season, this kind of performance, who knows? We were in a different place. The team was in a different place. Their needs were in a different place. I don't really think you can put tonight on Billy. Um, The team didn't make shots, and I think that's the, the, the long and short of it. That's really what this game was about. So, unless you can blame Billy for not making shots, I'm not sure you can pin a lot of this on him. I think actually, I've been pretty pleased with what I've seen out of Billy Donovan this year. I think he has done a fairly good job of coaching this team. Just look at the ball movement. The ball movement that we've seen out of Oklahoma City this year compared to previous years has been night and day. And when teams moving a ball like that, that's a function of good coaching. Now, You may be wondering, well, wasn't he the coach in previous years? Why weren't they moving the ball? I think it was the nature of the personnel, um, namely Russell Westbrook. Paul George was a part of that as well. I think you can only um, coach a concept so much. It's on the players to carry it through. And I think the personnel that they have is actually carrying through uh, his concepts a little more um, true to what he's drawing up than what they have in the past. And I think the ball movement is a, a great place to look at that. You also have to look at the, the youth development. Look at the the jump that Terrence Ferguson took last year. Look at the leaps that Hamadou Diallo is taking. Even the early development out of guys like Darius Baisley. Um, Nerland's Noel was considered kind of a, a broken product when the Thunder got him. And now look at how people are talking about Noel. I think all of those signs point to a good coaching staff, a good development staff. So, I'm not in the camp of people that's trying to run off Billy. Do I think he'll be the coach forever? I don't know. Probably not. But I think of any team that he's coached so far, a developing core of young guys is probably what he's best suited to. He's a college coach at heart. That's where he earned his stripes. Um, He won national championships at Florida. He's proven that he can work with young guys. And so I feel like we're in a little bit of like a a Thunder U 2.0 phase where we've got all these young guys, it's almost like a college team. Like just go watch Darius Baisley's Snapchats. And it reminds me of, you know, watching Jeff Green and K D and Russell Westbrook make goofy music videos uh, back when back when they were rookies and sophomores in the league. There's it's just it's a different place for this team and the expectations have to be different. And so I think what we demand of Billy Donovan has to be different as well. The last question from at OKC Thunder fan nine: Do you think the Thunder should keep Stephen Adams with how well Noel has been playing lately? It's an interesting question. Do I think they should? Yeah, I think Stephen Adams is better than Nerlens Noel. I think Noel's been playing great. I think Noel's athleticism makes him more versatile. I think what attracts me to Stephen Adams overall as a player is his defense. There's certain guys that he doesn't play as well against. But overall, night in, night out, Steven Adams is a better defender than Nerland's Noel. We saw it tonight where I think Adams did a better job on Sabonis than Noel did. Uh, It's tough to say better because Sabonis really kind of (laughs) dominated tonight, and it was a bad game all around. But I think Adams, against most NBA centers, is a better defender and more capable. Nerland's might be flashier, Um, his athleticism, like I mentioned, he gets the big blocks, but just in a kind of bruising low post defense fashion, I think Steven has the edge. Now that's the should, um, do I think they will? I don't know. And I guess the, the should, the should is twofold. Do they, should they keep him just from a strictly like playing perspective? That's, that's kind of what I answered before from a long-term future perspective. I'm not sure. Steven is young, but he's not that young. And what I have to wonder is, does his timetable align with where the Thunder are heading for their next title contention window? And I don't know if it does. I don't know if in four years, five years, Steven Adams is going to be a capable enough player worthy of that much money to anchor this roster in a post spot. Would I like him to be absolutely one because I think he's a solid player and two, because I love him uh, on a personal level. I will be devastated the day that Steven Adams is not in a thunder uniform anymore, but I don't, I'm not convinced that his timetable aligns with the rest of the thunders core that they're building out. Same thing goes for shooter. I've seen a lot of conversation recently about why would the thunder think about moving shooter? He's kind of similar age to Steven Adams. They're both young but they're not as young as SGA and Baisley. Um, I think that the next wave of the Thunder that's going to be competing for a title, Baisley and SGA, they're, your, they're not like the grizzled veterans, but they're going to be the older guys of the roster. You have to think the, the core centerpiece of the, the next title contention Thunder is in like eighth grade right now. Probably so, so maybe ninth grade. I don't know. They're, they're my point is, they're not in the NBA right now. The next cornerstone of the Thunder is not currently playing in the NBA, so you kind of have to reevaluate how you think about who's a young guy, who's an old guy, who fits the timetable. So, I think Schroeder and Adams are absolutely just as tradable as CP3 and Gallinari. So, as hard as I think it could be. With some of those to to kind of wrap your head around it from like a personal perspective, I think we've got to start to get ourselves there as we think about who's untouchable and who's not because I think those guys make sense to get moved. That's it for the game tonight. Next up for Oklahoma City, they face Philly at the peak back in Oklahoma City. The good news there, like I mentioned, the Thunder are 4-3 and at home versus 0-4 on the road, getting Philly at home. Uh, should be a much more competitive game. Hopefully more competitive like we've seen so far. Uh, the great games we've seen. Uh, they don't always win them, but they're always in them. And hopefully that continues against the Sixers. We will be back with another post-game podcast after that game. We'll be back with another group podcast next week. If you don't already, follow us on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. Instagram at the underscore uncontested. Check us out on Facebook, the uncontested podcast. Leave us a rating, a review, five stars, por favor, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you always get the latest podcast showing up in your feed. You're ready to go and stay on top of all your Thunder news. You can follow me on Twitter at OKC Tracker. Thanks again for checking us out. Thanks for following along with us throughout the game. Uh, thanks for listening. If you made it this far, God bless you listening to this long of a podcast about a terrible game. Uh, we'll be back next time. Uh, you stay classy, Thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.
0: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.